as you stand in body or spirit and we come before God's word, I'd like you, if you would, to follow after me and reciting um, uh, in Hebrew, and then we'll join together in English what is known as the Shema. Jesus, of course, called it the Great Commandment. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Had. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. This morning, the foundational value we're thinking about is this. We have a family. And so the scriptures this morning, first we heard Ruth referenced, and the other one now is from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The body is a unit, though it is made of many parts, and though its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I heard about this guy a few months ago that had received several um, uh, moving violations while he was driving. Uh, Finally, there were enough of them, and they were egregious enough that they took away his license. But he went back out again and committed a violation. And this time, uh, not only was cited uh, for the violation, but for driving without a license, and he ended up going to jail. You know, some people are slow learners. And it takes a while, perhaps, for the message to sink in. When I come across the church at Corinth, I think it is a classic example of a church that just really struggled. They had the same problem over and over. If you look at the letter to 1 Corinthians, their problem, they keep dividing and fighting each other. They go into factions. And they start out like they divided over which preacher they liked best in their history. Then they went on to which one of them was smart and which one of them wasn't. Then they went on to what kind of food you could eat or what kind of food you can't can't eat. They divided over that. They divided over issues of sexuality. They divided over issues of wealth and class. And finally, to top it all off in this chapter, they're fighting over the very gifts that God has given them to be a body and to be a church. And some think their gift is more uh, special or honorable than another person's gift. They made the same mistake over and over and continued to divide and divide again. And this is a problem. 
This is a problem when we continue to divide up into factions and fight each other. And some of the problems I see with it right away are when the first one is when you start dividing from one another over an issue, uh, the circle tends to get smaller. It tends to subdivide as you go along. So you and I may form our own church because we agree on these five things. But then we'll find out that some of us don't agree on number six and seven, and so we cast them out. And then there may be something else we don't agree on, and we cast other people out. I remember my mentor used to say, when you, when you follow Protestantism far enough, you finally get down to the point where you look at one other person and you say, well, it's only me and you, and I'm not really sure about you. There's a problem with this sort of of division. Another problem with the division is that sociological research has, has indicated uh, that really we are created for, we're wired for cooperation. To be as competitive with each other as we are in the church and out in the world actually goes against our very nature. In a wonderful book I cited this fall called Loneliness, uh, John Cassiopo makes the point that research continues to show that we're wired to cooperate with uh, each other, and we're not doing it. And finally, when you divide in your business, that's one thing. But when you divide and you're a family, that's another. How can a family divide? How can a body part separate itself willingly from the rest of the body? That's a problem. And so Paul comes to this problem and attacks it as any preacher would. He he tells them a story, or better known, a fable that they all knew. And the story is about a a human body. um, There are analogies to the human body that go back as far as Aesop's fables. And so the difference is that usually when the body imagery is used, it's to say all of the body parts need to get in line under the one body part that's in charge. And so it is in the uh, century before Paul, a Roman senator makes a speech, cites the fable of the body parts and said, now look, the Roman empire is the stomach and all of you uh, exist to feed that stomach. Now get in line. Now Paul doesn't do it like that because we're not an empire. We're a family. So he takes the same story of all these body parts and he tells it again. But I think he tries to say at least three things about this. The first thing I think he tries to say is look in our body, Every part is important, even the less visible parts. Uh, None of you can see my liver right now, but I assure you, if my liver was not functioning properly, you could see that. You would know. Uh, Sometimes the invisible or the seemingly unimportant uh, is more important than we'd realize. And in a human body, that's how it works. We don't all serve one particular um, empire or body part. We serve together. And sometimes the smallest or least important are very vital. Uh, Years ago, when they were first beginning to use um, uh, computer parts in cars and to help us do so many things, uh, I was driving one day and my car came to a dead stop. It couldn't go anywhere. And I was just stuck in the road. Come to find out when it got towed in that the problem was a part about this big in the computer system in my car that that had messed up and had broken. And it shut the whole thing down all six cylinders nothing and it can happen like that because you're small doesn't or you think you're unimportant doesn't mean you are there was a wonderful uh, story in the older testament about a man who commanded a large part of an empire his name was naaman and he was a syrian general but he got leprosy and he suffered with leprosy until one day his wife's servant uh told him where to get help. She was a very small part, 
of the Syrian empire, but she knew about the God of Israel. And so this tiny part helped him get healthy. Uh, So the first thing is simply to remember that all of us are valuable, no matter how small we may seem to ourselves. And if others seem small to you, then let me encourage you. This is a helpful exercise that I'm learning. When you uh, know somebody, uh, try to get to know them better, and then in your mind, begin to think in what ways they are superior to you, in what ways they navigate. I, I, I thought about even the video that we showed this morning. Can you imagine people that have to learn to navigate day by day to find food and bread? They have some things and abilities that I don't, that I don't have. The more we uh, learn about people, the more we realize they have some skill or talent that we don't have, and it can be very important. So first thing is all of us are important and need to be valued. Another thing, though, he wanted to say, look, we're all together. We're all one body part. If one body part quits working, uh, in fact, there uh, will be trouble. So we need to work together. And by working together, we become uh, obviously more than we are alone. And so when one part suffers in the body, the whole body will hurt. A friend of mine uh, was on a uh, summer uh, hiking trip through um, uh, our, for a few weeks in Colorado. But he told me that he, he was very excited about this. He trained for it and then got a blister on a toe. And the, just a blister on a small party bo- on the small part of his body shut down his trip he had waited all summer for for three days. Just couldn't go. Because we're uh, when one part suffers, it affects all of us. I'm reminded of one of my mentors, Ray Vanderland, was giving a lecture once, and when it was over, a, a, a person felt convicted, and they said, well, Dr. Vanderland, I know that, um, uh, that, we're, that suffering is part of the Christian faith, uh, but, but she said, and I know how in other parts of the world they suffer, but, but she said, I, I feel bad because I'm not really suffering. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been with Ray Vanderland, but his eyes get really big and they start to glow like coals. And he looked at her and he said, you misunderstand. We are all one body. So if any Christian anywhere in the world is suffering, you are in fact suffering. We're all in this together. When one of us struggles, it affects all of us. And then on the other hand, when one of us is honored or gets rewarded, the reward is for all of us. You probably uh, heard the story told by some Christian missionaries in Africa. It was, it was in the last year or so that some cultural anthropologists were with them and they were doing some work uh, uh, and study. And so with one particular group of people uh, in an African village, some kids, uh, they got them to sit under a tree. And then on another tree, about a uh, hundred yards away, they set a basket of fruit. And so they said to the kids, look, when we say go, you run and get the basket. And whoever gets the basket gets all the fruit. Ready, set, go. All the kids got up together and they walked the hundred yards. And together they got to that tree and together they passed the apples around so that everyone had one. And the cultural anthropologist said, explain this to me. And they used a word you've probably seen, uh, South African. um, uh, uh, It it became famous through South Africa. The word is Ubuntu, which basically means we have a group identity. I exist because you exist. I am because you are. We're all in this together. And the fact of the matter is we suffer together. We rejoice together. We are better together than we are 
alone. Uh, Dinah told me this week she saw an interview with Adrian Haslett, who was injured several years ago in the Boston Marathon bombing. And then Adrian had the bad luck then later to be hit by a car. And the comment from Adrian I thought was amazing. Adrian said, I am broken, but I am more than my broken pieces. And I think that's true of the body of Christ. We are not perfect. We have different talents and gifts. We don't always get it right, but together we are more than any of us could ever be alone. So Paul's saying everyone's important, and because everyone's important, work together. And then I think by having uh, the metaphor of the different body parts, he was also saying, look, uh, we need we need different parts. We need the diversity uh, that having people of different talents and gifts brings to us. There was a book written by uh, business consultants about five years ago, and it was called uh, The Inclusion Dividend. I don't know if you've heard of it, but basically here was their argument. If you're a business, you want uh, not everyone to be the same. You don't want everyone to have gotten the same, gone to the same school. You don't want everyone looks at the same way. You want a lot of diversity. And what they, their, their tagline was this, Diversity builds a better mousetrap. That the more uh, variety of opinions that we have, the different strings that we have, the better as a business, they say, we will be together. And I think that is clearly what Paul is trying to say about the church. The more that we have variety in this church and seek out variety and diversity, the more we're going to be able to do the things that God has called us to do. Think about Jesus. We tend to think that all the uh, uh, disciples looked alike and they were all 30 and had beards. Uh, But in actuality, as you know, Peter was probably the oldest at about age 21. Uh, But there was still diversity in the young people that followed Jesus, including Simon, who was a zealot, which means he was part of a terrorist group sworn to kill all the Romans. And another guy named Matthew, who was probably kind of a junior tax collector, a.k.a. Levi. Um, And Levi, basically his job was to collect taxes so so they could keep the Roman Empire going. Those people are sworn enemies. And they sit around the table every night with Jesus and have dinner together. Jesus modeled that we're different. And the differences are needed. And they're needed uh, because we're not just a family that exists to be a family. We're a family with a particular purpose, which is to make a difference in the world, to make the world more as God intended. And each of us will be needed, and each of us will be needed working together. The thing about the church is there are many wonderful nonprofits and there are many wonderful governmental agencies that work in the world. But the church is the only one, I think, specifically designed to work with the human heart with the human heart and the spiritual side of a person. And that's where ultimately the more trickier issues of our day, racism, uh, loneliness, uh, those kinds of things will be solved, not by technique, but by renewal of the heart. And that's our business. We have an important job. It requires all of us. I'm reminded of a story told of a woman who came to, the, to a church for the very first time And uh, when uh, the pastor was greeting people after church, the woman said to the pastor, this is my first time at at the church. So at this church? And she said, no, at any church. And he said, oh my. Well, he said, I'm curious. What did you think? And her response was, she said, it was scary. And he said, scary? And she said, yes. 
It all seemed so important. It is important. It's too important to try to do alone. 